Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of this earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitles them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to this separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When I read this uh, beginning to the Declaration of Independence, I'm uh, almost immediately uh, brought back in time to when I was eight years old, and it was the custom of my family on the 4th of July uh, to have a picnic. And the particular year that this reminds me of, I probably was seven or eight, I would guess, and our cousins were visiting from out of town. And for those of you that know anything about the, the Oregon coast, we were at the Ona Beach State Park, um, south of, uh, of Newport. And uh, oh my gosh, we had a glorious day. It was, uh, the adults I think played cards back at the picnic tables, but the kids, we just totally ran amok. Uh, but I, hopefully in a good way. I mean, it was at the beach and, you know, uh, just running and playing in the surf and having a wonderful time. We had a, as the sun was going down, we had a campfire. And then we came back and the parents had set up um, those kind of camping lanterns so that we had a kind of a beautiful glow around a few picnic tables that they had put together. And I remember my father read the the introduction there to the Declaration of Independence. And I remember that we were all asked what we thought freedom meant to us. And so uh, the adults and the children, we all had our kind of moment around the, the tables where we talked about what freedom uh, meant to me, uh, to each of us. And, uh, and just thinking about it actually kind of chokes, chokes me up a little bit. I mean, the, the freedoms that we, we get to have in this country are are astounding. I, I mean, I, I know we're in the news right now, and the, the U.S. isn't uniformly thought of as a, a great power. Uh, I mean, I know we have our detractors, and, and in fact, probably many of you will find fault with what's going on in the U.S., but, but nonetheless, if you really travel a lot, you will recognize that every country has its pluses and minuses, and, and by and large, I honestly can't picture myself living anywhere else on the planet than, than right here in my home in America. And, and I gotta tell you, it's largely because of the freedoms that I have as an American. Um, we, we are blessed in so many, many ways. I wanna talk a little bit more though about the Declaration of Independence and, and here's the sort of got you piece of it. Because my father didn't read any more of it than I just read to you all. And there's probably a reason for that. <laughs> Those of us who later in junior high and high school took civics and maybe had to memorize the whole thing, if you'll remember the hard part to memorize 
was the 27 grievances that cover page after page of material. And really, the Declaration of Independence is kind of just a bitch fight against what was going on between us and the British. And we go on and on about how horrible they are and how much we hate them. And and literally, there are 27 grievances that we list in here. And I will tell you the other reason that we don't read the whole thing so much publicly anymore is one of the things that we took exception to was that Britain wasn't so keen on slavery, and we were. Britain was trying to prevent us from enslaving more of the African race, and we wanted freedom from that. Also, I'll, I'll even read verbatim number 27. He, he being the king of England, he has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. The reason we don't read the end of the Declaration of Independence anymore is, frankly, it brings up shame in me. I mean, the very thing, I mean, think about this for a minute. This is what we were saying was so awful, and yet we, in the midst of the same document, are doing the same things to the African race and the, the, the people who were here in America before we came, right? And so it's almost as though, I mean, what do they say about karma? Uh, it's, it's almost like in one breath, we're saying, I want freedom from this, and I will deny those same freedoms from this. So who here has married the same person three times? Oh, wait a minute. I suppose I should explain more than just that. Because <laughs> I have. <laughs> and I bet you have too. What I mean by that is, have you ever found yourself in a relationship that ended up looking remarkably like a relationship that you had already been in? Okay, now the hands are going up, right, yeah. Probably half of us have been married to the same person two or three times, and, and euphemistically we call it dating, but on the not so euphemistic side, we have probably all been in miserable, miserable relationships only to get out of it and take up with the same kind of person again may not have been the exact same person, and typically they look different on the outside, <laughs> but they end up being a whole lot the same on the inside. Well, that is what's going on in the Declaration of Independence. We were so focused on getting out of something that we wandered, we brought the trouble right with us, right? We were the trouble. And so it's not surprising then in our new country or, or in the case of us as people in our new relationship or in our new job, we bring the same prejudices with us. We, we bring the same dislikes and likes with us. It's not surprising that we have those repetitive little themes going on in our lives because we're the same. And so if we want to talk about true freedom, 
I think we need to begin opening up the dialogue, not to what I want to be free from, not that I want uh, to be free from the terrible boss I work from now or free from the bad relationship that I'm in, not that I want to be free from you know, the system of justice going on in America right now or not that I want to be free from, some, you know, I don't know what kind of oppressions we're, we're suffering from right now or where we feel restricted. Maybe it's free, we want to be free from the monetary system or free from the school system. I mean, there are all kinds of things that in our heart and in our minds we think, I just need to be free of that. If only that wasn't hanging over my head, my life would be good. The trouble is, you dictate that your life is good. It isn't that external stuff. That may be a shortcut, kind of a handy thing that I can blame all my troubles on the economy or my job or that squirrely boss I have or, or that, you know, that, the, the third husband that's just like the first two or whatever it is, right? It's a kind of a shorthand way of getting out from underneath it, but then we're just going to carry it with us just as the you know, the founding fathers. Well, and notice, too, they were founding fathers, right? So, you know, talk about oppressing uh, Africans and, uh, and, and Native Americans. What about the, the poor women that came along with those crazy founding fathers, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. It, it, it's like, oh, my gosh, when you really think about it, here we were uh, trying for freedom and instituting slavery on so many, many levels at the same time. Let's sw switch gear for a minute because I want to talk today about true freedom. I want to talk about what specifically we can do to feel truly free. And I think to start that, I should start with a joke. And so this is in honor of all of our many women who were at retreat um, this last week. Once upon a time, in a land far away, a beautiful, independent, and self-assured princess happened upon a frog as she sat contemplating ecological issues on the shores of an unpolluted pond in a verdant meadow near her castle. A frog hopped into the princess's lap, I guess frogs can always talk, even in fairy stories, and said, elegant lady, I was once a handsome prince until an evil witch cast a spell upon me. One kiss from you, however, and I will turn back into that handsome young prince that I am. And then, my sweet, we can marry and set up housekeeping where you can prepare my meals, clean my clothes, <laughs> yeah, bear my children, and forever feel great grateful for this freedom. Later that day, the princess began conferring with her fair market paid staff about a party to be held at the castle later in the week. The cook went over the organic produce to be served and the free trade coffee to be served. There's just one problem, the cook remarked to the princess. I just don't seem to be able to find a good recipe for frog legs. <laughs> All right. So how do we get on track for really standing up for our freedoms? You know something, the, the good news about the Declaration of Independence is it didn't stand alone. Along with it came the Bill of Rights. 
And if you want to think of the uh, Declaration of Independence as what we were fleeing from, the, the kind of dangerous realm of paying too much attention of what you don't want in life, the Bill of Rights, on the other hand, specifies what we as a new nation did want to stand for. So it's almost the positive, if you will, that went with the negative Declaration of Independence. And although, you know, the Bill of Rights in itself, written, um, well, exactly 240 years ago tomorrow, uh, could do with some touching up, and we probably don't need to mention the Fifth Amendment. Oh, gosh, I just did. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it isn't that perhaps it's perfect in its nature, but listen to this. These are the things that as new Americans, we stood for. We stood for the right to establish and enjoy our various religions. We stood for the right for people to assemble. In England at that time, 20, if 20 or more people gathered together, they could be shut down by the government simply by talking bad about the king. Can you imagine if in our country, if a group of 20 people got together and said something rotten about the president, they would go to jail, right? We have that as a right to assemble and say what every darn thing we want to say, which also is, uh, includes uh, the right of sp uh, free speech. Even things that, that sound contrary to good sense and good morals, we have the right to speak that. And in many countries in the world, we do not. We have the freedom of the press. We have the right to petition government. I mean, can you imagine a government where you couldn't petition it? You couldn't introduce into legislature changes. Many countries in the world do not have that right. We have the right to bear arms, and I, and I know that one's a big one that's up right now. I, I mean, I personally don't imagine that the framers of the Bill of Rights imagined AK-47 assault-type rifles, right? They were thinking single-load muskets and, and that kind of thing. And so, so, you know, one could argue that maybe this one uh, we've got some trouble with. But again, the idea that it was framed was that if the government got screwy, we would be allowed to have guns and, and address that. So if the government sent an army down to, you know, to shoot up Oklahoma, the Oklahomans would be allowed legally to have guns to defend themselves. So it sort of makes sense if you think about where we were coming from. We have the right for all of us to be secure from unreasonable search and seizures. We have the right to a speedy trial by an impartial jury. Now, a lot of these, we're just so used to it, right? We just, well, of course we can do that. You would be surprised the places in the world today even where those are not guaranteed rights. And finally, even the right to an affordable bail. Most places on the planet, you just get to cool your heels in prison until maybe someday you will come to trial. We are actually one of the few places on the planet that has the bail system so that while you're maybe waiting a year until your case can be tried, you actually could be home with your family. The reason I bring up this, these Bill of Rights is this is the positive side, I think. This is freedom claimed, not freedom from, but freedom to. These are the things that we hold to be important to us, or, or I should say the 
you know, the gentleman back in 1776 anyway, you know, the collective wisdom of that time and the people they represented, these are the things that will keep our country going for 240 years. What's gonna keep you going for the next 240 years? Now you can feel the homework assignment in the air. I can just, uh, I can see it in the eyes. I would like to have everyone in this congregation, and maybe even do it as a family exercise, come up with your own personal bill of rights. What do you stand for? If someone were to ask you what is important, what in terms of freedom, what freedoms that you enjoy, that you hold to be dear for you and your friends, what are they? I would like you to be able to say, oh wait, well I just forgot, but it's in my purse. <laughs> just right the homework assignment. Because I think if we dwell on what we stand for and not what we're running away from, we will be around for the next 240 years, much in the same way that the, the Constitution and our Bill of Rights have, have moved this country along and, and provided the mechanism by which we can pass new laws and have new ways of being in the land. I think your own personal Bill of Rights could do something fundamentally freeing for you. First of all, you'll know what you stand for. How many people here really could list out what they stand for? More than one or two little bullet items. Okay, a couple of you have maybe done an exercise like this before. It is hugely empowering. The other thing that this Bill of Rights, this personal Bill of Rights can do for you is really helpful in decision making. Because when it comes up to one of those hard decisions, you can take a look at it and you can say, does this fit in with what I believe to be true and good for myself and my friends and my family? Or am I on shaky grounds here? Am I apt to be doing to someone else exactly what I don't stand for? Is this decision based in love? Is this decision based in equanimity? Could I, after making this decision, say I'm in perfect alignment with my own Bill of Rights? I think a hugely important thing. I'm gonna share mine with you. And you know, I am a bit silly, and so there is a bit of humor in here, uh, but, but if you look behind some of the, uh, the humor, um, this really is my Bill of Rights. I have the right to enjoy free time at least two days a week. I have the right to put my electronic devices to sleep whenever I choose. I have the right to be messy from time to time with no guilt. I have the right to put my work obligations away when I'm on my own time. I have the right not to respond to unreasonable people and situations. Fair warning. Just saying, just saying. And I get to define what's reasonable. Just saying. Short of harming others, I have the right to enjoy my life and to be as different as I choose to be. I have the right not to care about what other people think of me. I have the right to sleep in. Oh, another one, fair warning. I have the right to make decisions the following day. Now, what I have learned in 20-some years being part of a 12-step program 
is that I do not always make the best decisions right up front. <laughs> and so I have the right to make decisions the following day, right? I'm gonna think about it for 24 hours and then I'm gonna give you my answer. And finally, perhaps the most silly, uh, and yet, uh, it's real for me, I have the right to never worry about having a six-pack abs. <laughs> so it can be a fun exercise, as well as a useful one. So, so think about your own personal bill of rights. What freedoms do you wish to claim uniquely for you? What's the most important things? Now mine was, uh, of course there's some things assumed in there, right? I didn't actually list some of the things that we already have as Americans, right? I, I didn't say I reserve the freedom to drive on the right side of the road unimp unimpeded, right? So, so, so don't necessarily write down the things that that were assumed to have, write down the things that are really personal and important to you. What additional freedoms in your life do you wish to claim? Okay, are we good? So I'm gonna to close today with a prayer, and my prayer is of freedom. There is one heart, one life, one mind, just one thing that is throughout the entire cosmos I call it God, but you can think of it as the truth principle. You can call it the goddess, the great I am. What it is, though, is everything. It is every person, every place, everything, every situation, all of it, all of it in one. And this one thing, of course, is free. Free to create the universe, free to, to have and to do whatever it chooses. And I, as part of its inheritance, likewise am free. And so for myself on this day, I, I claim my freedom as expressed in my own personal bill of rights. I claim my freedom to choose and to be exactly, exactly who I am. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person within hearing of my voice, freedom is expansive. Freedom is for everyone. And as each of us takes within our own heart and our own mind a, a greater clarity around what freedom means, about what we're willing to accept in our own lives in terms of, of love and goodness, of joy and peace, then we will experience that freedom. I'm simply grateful for this. This, this greatest gift, perhaps of all, the freedom to be and the freedom to choose. And so, in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Happy Fourth of July, everyone. Happy we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, 
You can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.